Local news, talk, sports, and the hits of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Kane 107.5. Welcome to Bayou Sports this morning here on a big Tuesday, July the 26th. Uh, from the Kane Radio Studios, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. Uh, a little news this morning, NFL camps cracking up. Uh, of course, the Saints will be uh, in full force tomorrow sometime uh, Wednesday. Uh, Major League Baseball still talking about trades. How can teams, are they going to have buyers and sellers? NCAA uh, football right around the corner, too. Uh, last night, they unveiled the Maravich statue up in Baton Rouge at the PMAC Center. Well, a little bit about high school sports and uh, the Saints. Uh, always we can have something about the Saints. Mark Ingram wearing a new number this uh, fall. He's giving up number 14 to Andy Dalton. He'll be wearing. I think he was happy to do it. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, I, I think he wanted a single-digit number. Yeah, they all do. It's amazing college football today. I think you've got – and they'll allow him, I think this year or was it last year, the first time they allowed him to wear the number zero. I, that and they were allowed to change their number last year if they paid Nike, you know, for the stock they had of oh, their Oh, okay. Jerseys. I see what you're saying. So – but then this year, they were supposed to ask in advance, so Nike didn't print a bunch of uh, you know, <laughs> number 22 Mark Ingram jerseys yeah. or whatever. Well, Ingram wore 14, uh, his That's second right. return with the Saints. And this will be his fourth number. What did he wear with uh, the Ravens? I'm trying to remember. No, no, no. I'm talking about with the Saints. Because he, really? he changed his number. I remember from he wore like, 22 was his original number. And then 28. Or maybe that, it was 28, then 22. I think it was 28, then 22. You're right. And so 14 last season. And this, if he's in a he's, single digit. He'll have a single digit. He'll be wearing a Reggie Bush number, five. Who Reggie had petitioned the NFL to wear five. That's right. And they didn't allow him to because only quarterbacks and kickers, I think at the time, and punters could wear a single digit. Uh, that's ridiculous. The, the only... I get it for eligible receivers. Okay. Give them numbers uh, that are distinct, but after that, who cares? Yeah, you know? that's right. Uh, I think uh, linemen uh, wear anywhere from 50 to 79, and uh, you see defensive linemen today all wearing the 90s, it looks like. Every once in a while, you'll see one in the 40s or the or the or even the 50s, and linebackers the same. So it's – all you got is 50 – Three on the roster, I mean, uh, you've got uh, 100 numbers basically with zero. So let them wear what they want uh, to a certain degree. But like you said, offensive linemen, it's just easier for the refs to see who's downfield and shouldn't be downfield. But in the NFL, you've got uh, of the 11 positions, basically uh, six of them, you include the quarterback, eligible receivers. So anyway, but uh, NFL camps cracking and open uh, today. And, uh, of course, the world champion Rams – and their MVP in the All-Star Game, uh, uh, Cooper, uh, Cooper Cup, uh, is uh, they're getting ready to go. Uh, and the best of the worst of the Saints, let's hope both veterans, you know, we mentioned that uh, Ingram will be wearing number five. And Dalton um, always had worn, I think, 14 since his days at uh, TCU. Not sure if, what he wore in high school, but both veterans wore the same numbers for most of their careers. Ingram couldn't wear 22 last year when he joined the Saints, so he picked 14. Uh, Dalton, uh, of course, has always had uh, the uh, number 14 throughout his time, and uh, the Saints have... I thought, uh, I thought when he was with the Bears last year, it really disrespected Bobby Douglas. He wore, Douglas didn't wear 10? Pretty sure 14. 14? Jack and Cannon, I think, wore 10. 
Okay. Well, it seemed like Douglas. I remember him when he was a, in his days at Kansas uh, under Pepper Rogers. So, yeah, that's how far back I can go in that regard. But in the meantime, uh, uh, Dalton, who signed with the Saints this offseason, will wear the 14 as shown through his career as a quarterback oh, at I'm, TCU. I'm corrected. He was wearing number 10. Yeah, I saw him play as a Saint, too. Yeah, he, uh, boy, just a big old guy, man. I think he was the first NFL quarterback to run for 1,000 yards, too, or right at it, uh, Bobby Douglas. Uh, from Kansas, not sure where he was from originally uh, when he played at Kansas. I think he led them to the uh, Orange Bowl one year uh, when he was in college. It's probably the most success a Kansas team has had in a long time. Anyway, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, Dallas uh, Cowboy quarterback, Bears. Uh, meanwhile, Ingram would get to wear the number five jersey last season. Ingram hilariously tried to explain his angst over unappealing jersey number choices when he had to return to New Orleans. In the meantime, uh, not only was his former 22 not an option, but uh, nothing in the 20s or single digits were, were available either. So Ingram was reluctantly to go to 14 last year. He said he didn't like the numbers in the 30s. It's too big a number for me. I don't want a, a no 30s number. He said, it's just too wide. I'm short and stocky. I got to have a number that fits me a little bit. And the 40s were even worse. So uh, Ingram said he considered asking kicker Will Lentz if he would wear uh, his number three. Lentz was on the injured reserve last year and even considered reaching out to the former Saints quarterback Archie Manning about wearing eight in his honor. Both Manning's eight and Drew Brees' nine aren't officially retired but they never get assigned to new players. Uh, coincidentally, the number five that Ingram now has landed is in the uh, same one that uh, former St. Reggie Bush, as we mentioned, was unable to acquire as a rookie in 06. So, anyway, NFL allowed running backs to wear single digits uh, after that. Anyway, we've got a phone call. We do, but before that, uh, we're both right. At, at some point, uh, I can't believe how much research I'm doing on Bobby Douglas or <laughs> Bears wearing the number 14, but Bobby Douglas did wear 14 for a while. And also Jim Harbaugh, uh, who uh, uh, won, wore number four, but also briefly wore number 14 for Chicago. So All right. There you go. Nope. Now we had a caller there. Uh, feel free to call back at 367 1240. If you do have a birthday or anniversary you want to announce, we ask that you uh, either wait until after 8 on that or um, call during a commercial break uh, at 365-3434. Let's try the phone one more time. Hi, you're in the air. Hey, good morning, guys. How y'all doing? Good. Good. Good Good morning. Well, if I'd known a jersey number could make you slim down, I'd I'd have been getting some low jersey numbers a long time ago. Oh, well, look, I, I can remember peewee football, uh, a few of us fought over the number zero because we were afraid our parents would go, oh, look, there goes nothing <laughs> with you wearing the number zero. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, they had a few players wear zero, and, uh, you know, and college allows uh, college teams to have two players wear the same number as long as one's on offense and one's on defense. And if the one on offense uh, it's not going to hit the field uh, when uh, the defensive player might be playing. So uh, colleges now, so they'll have, how's my math, uh, 20 single-digit numbers running around two zeros uh, from uh, zero to nine. So, uh, wow. Anyway, colleges allowing uh, two players uh, to wear. Uh, two different uh, numbers on the field. So as long as they're not on the field at the same time. So uh, anyway, uh, Saints allow Ingram to wear uh, five. Reggie Bush, uh, I know he wanted to wear that number, but he went with 25, and that's what he stuck with, I think. With the Dolphins, or was it the Lions, he might have wore 22. 
I can't recall. Of course, Bush I've been has been out of the league for a few years now. Yeah, um, yeah. When it comes to that college uh, rule, um, you know, it's fine when they're on offense or defense, but you know, on special teams, it could be either one of the uh, of the guys. So that could be an announcer's nightmare to know who, who makes a great special teams play. You know, so, that's right. Um, and- and they have confused them too. Uh, some of these uh, announcers not realizing, um, you know, you have to sometimes maybe remember uh, which young man is playing on offense and which one on defense. But uh, uh, in college, I mean, I'm waiting for them to wear somebody to wear a half number like uh, Eddie Goodell for the St. Louis Browns when, <laughs> when uh, uh, our boy uh, Bill Vec put him up to the plate as a leadoff hitter in a Major League Baseball game. Eddie Goodell, 1950 war. I think I mean, he might even wore a half or maybe an eighth or something like that. There, there was a fraction on the jersey, yeah. <laughs> and he walked on four pitches, and then uh, the regular player went in to uh, take his spot. Anyway, it's just strange uh, box. I think Ken Ken Burrows might have been the first double zero that I can remember. Uh, I can go NFL. I can go back a little further than that. Jim Otto wore double zero Otto. And with I, the I have, Raiders. Have anything to do with his name? The double O, the double or not double O, but two well, O's in the last name. I uh, know his last. It probably was, but his you know his last name front with the back was was Otto. Oh, okay. Jim Otto with the Ra- well, always, uh, Raiders. I always refer to that number as the Jethro number, the double not five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Jethro Bodine, whose who's dad was, was the he- heavyweight to, uh, champion of the world. <laughs> I was calling to get uh, Jeff's uh, take uh, because I, I'm not as – I mean, I've certainly heard the name, but I saw the Saints are bringing in um, Jordan Howard uh, today for a workout, and I know he was with the Bears for – had a couple of really good years. It looked like his first uh, – two or three years in the league, but he, he seems to have kind of tapered off. Just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on, on Jordan Howard. No, I will say that in those couple of years, uh, he was real impressive. The drop-off, uh, you know, you never know why, uh, for sure. I don't remember an injury issue, anything to that effect, but, yeah, I'd give him a look, no doubt about it. Uh, but, yeah, he had some good years with the Bears, uh, but I, I don't know what maybe soured uh, that relationship because I just seem to remember uh, the relationship may have gone south. But, yeah, I'd take a look at him. Yeah, I saw he, uh, in one year, he sustained uh, a shoulder injury, and it looked like after that is when he ended up getting uh, traded. Uh, so he could have had something to do with them thinking, you know, that he wasn't quite. I mean, definitely his stats have tapered off tremendously from his first three years to his last three. Um I'm not quite sure that's the. I mean, if Kamara goes down, if Kamara goes out for any time, um, he brings nothing to the passing game. He, he's in 71 career games. He's had 85 receptions. I mean, and his total yardage is 129 for his career. Kamara does in a game sometimes, you know. So um, I think they're going to need to get more of a dual threat back. If you know, again, um, depending on what happens with Kamara's suspension, but. Who knows with that mess, man, you know. Yeah, and I will say, I was was going to say, uh, one of the things, too, uh, the Bears uh, got fairly deep uh, in the backfield, uh, so they may have thought he was expendable, too. Yeah, um, you know, it's amazing how running backs just can hit a wall seemingly, you know, overnight. I mean, it's 
that's why some of these guys who you know do play into their late 30s and even into their 40s in some cases uh, are really uh, anomalies. But you know, I think that at one time the average uh, career for running back was right around three years. But you know, and of course, I mean nowadays, I guess they they don't throw the ball quite. I mean, uh, run the ball quite quite as much or take quite as much of a pounding. Everything specialized you know you got your, your first down first and second down back your third down back your pass receiving back um but you know they can like i said they can seemingly uh fall off the cliff so i mean he may be a suitable you know worth bringing in for a look but i don't i don't know man I, i'd rather you know again who, who knows what the suspension is going to be but if it's going to be for anything like a six or eight game i think they're going to need a little bit more of a viable option than than that, but we'll, I guess we'll see. But I thought maybe you, uh, you know, you could um, give a little insight into the, you know, what he brought. To, uh, but the one good thing I saw in in, in six, and uh, I think he's uh, seventy one games he played his career, and he only had four career fumbles. So that's uh, that's encouraging. But uh, you know, um, like I said, I, the thing that worries me is that he doesn't bring much to the uh, to the passing game for sure. But it'll be interesting to see as the uh, camp opens up. Um, I think tomorrow they, they, the practices to the public open up Friday, but I think they actually start some practices today, right? No, tomorrow. Tomorrow is their first official day uh, putting on the pads or helmets and shorts, I guess. Uh, tomorrow, okay. I'll be at the facility in Metairie. So, uh, anyway, like you said, a uh, lot to be seen this year. Uh, left tackle, new head coach, uh, no. No Sean Payton, no Drew Brees uh, for the first time in, since 2005. So a lot of uh, a lot of things going on. Michael Thomas on the pup list. Will he? What, what will happen with him? Uh, also, how about our left tackle with Trevor Penning, uh, the young man from uh, Northern Iowa, who's going to take over for uh, Taron Armstead, uh, who's over in Miami now. So uh, a lot of wants. Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I'd be so surprised if Penning starts as a rookie at Turbo. I think uh, I think James Hurst uh, holds that down for another year while Penning continues to, to, to learn. Um, he, he's just way too raw in the uh, pass protection. And you can that's the one thing you can't afford to do is get your quarterback blindsided. Um, he's great in run, you know, in, in the running game. He's a mauler. But um, Hurst did a really good job filling in for, uh, for Armstead last year. He very – you know, very versatile, can play either tackle, can even slide in the guard if you need him. Uh, so I think they'll let Penning learn one year under him, unless, of course, injury uh, takes, you know, takes place. Right. But um, uh, to me, the ideal situation would have been if Ramchek would have had, would have wanted to play left tackle, um, then, you know, Penning, you could have put him in as right tackle for a year or two and then, then slide him back to left. But because uh, the right tackle really is more of your run baller, but um, apparently, you know, they either they didn't they don't think Ramchek is has the footwork for left tackle, or he just didn't want to make the switch. I, I don't know, but um, good question. Yeah, yeah, there is, yeah, a lot of question marks. I think the defense is you know really really good. Uh, offense just has question marks all over the place, in, including again, you know, um, Jameis's uh, health and his knee, and I mean, looks like he's in. In, in great condition right now, but you, n- you never know till you put the pads on. So it'll be um, it'll be fun to watch. I was going to maybe go make a practice or two, but uh, I don't know, man. These 
these these ninety something degree days when I'm thinking. The last time I went to, and that was probably about five or six years ago, went to one of these Saints practices, and they had the tent and everything set up or shaded area, but it was still so brutally hot out there. Uh, I don't know how those players. I mean, you really yeah amazing that they could do that in full pads, you know. Yeah. Uh, but um, anyway, guys, um, hope everything. You know, hope you all having a good day and and uh, and things go well and. We'll try to keep up with what's happening at Saints camp, and if I hear any tidbits or any news, I'll uh, I'll give you all a holler. Uh, we appreciate it too. Uh, always, thanks for giving us a call in too here on uh, Bayou Sports. Anyway, uh, Saints, right. As, you're right, uh, Boxer. Appreciate it. As always, the Saints, um, you know, have a lot of issues, like you mentioned, and uh, they're going to have to. Uh, we'll find out pretty quickly how things going, but. For, of course, now it's only uh, three preseason games with a 17-game schedule with a bye, and the Saints play one of them over in Mario, England, I do believe. Uh, I can't recall who their opposition will be. Was it the Vikings? Maybe? It is the Vikings, it is. and it's one, of, it's one of the 8.30 games or 8.45 games. In the morning, that is, a.m. <laughs> yeah. time yeah. with the uh, five-hour delay, I, I guess. I don't understand why they cannot play that game prime time, um, London time, and allow uh, those of us uh, who want to go to church on Sunday morning yes. uh, do so unabated. Uh, but uh, they have to do what they have to do. You're right about that. I think we have a caller. Let's, well, thought we had a caller again. All right. If you do call the studio line, uh, you'll hear us uh, once I answer the phone, and I promise to get to you eventually. But, again, um, hold off on birthdays or anniversaries either during the commercial breaks or after uh, 8.15. Yeah, speaking of that, the NFL and the Saints, uh, you know, uh, they're going to have a lot of teams with, uh, a, uh, how would you say, a throwback helmet. Uh, is that our phone call right there? Yep. Let's uh, give it another shot. Hi, you're in the air. Anyway, uh, not sure if they're uh, understanding. If it's for a birthday or a uh, anniversary, give us a call at three six five three four three four. Of course, you got to got it out of the area code. Anyway, the NFL's alternate helmets—they've uh, been tracking them. The Cowboys are going to go to their traditional helmet. I, I can't recall how the Cowboys—the only helmet, other helmet—it's it's a white with yes. a, a blue star, but no like trim to the star. Like right, right now, the current star has. Like an outline or something to that effect surrounding the star. The uh, old helmet, white with a, a simple blue. Yeah, and that was the star. helmet they wore back in the initial season. I believe that was in 60 or 61. And of all people, Eddie LeBaron was the quarterback for the uh, Cowboys that particular season. I don't think they won a game. I think they tied someone. I think they went, and that was the year of uh, they only played 12 games. I think the uh, – the Cowboys went 0-11 and 1 or something of that nature. Maybe they did. Maybe they won a game, but uh, can't recall. They're going to a traditional helmet, but I don't think that's uh, gonna that particular helmet. They're gonna wear it all year long. I think it's just no, one no, particular one game. or two games. Yeah, uh, pretty special, much. I think, maybe Thanksgiving, those kind of uh, special days. Maybe with the color rush jerseys. Uh, yeah, I, I know a lot of teams have brought black jer- black helmets out. Carolina recently. Uh, the Jets have brought out – they, they added black to their scheme, I don't know, in the mid-'90s. Uh, not a big fan of it just for black's sake. 
yeah. adding the, that particular color. Bears are uh, going with an orange helmet. That's right. And with their orange jersey. Oh, it's terrible. They're when Andy Dalton s- had to wear an orange jersey. Yeah, they have that C on the... Uh, yeah. But the Cowboys are going to wear that white helmet on Thanksgiving Day yeah. this year. So, uh, interesting. The Giants are going from that NY look on their helmets to... Arguably, uh, the uh, the spelt giants G I A N T S. So which uh, they did in the eighties, and they did the eighties and nineties. That's right. Uh, lighter blue with red accents on their jerseys. Uh, meanwhile, the Patriots are bringing back Pat Patriots back on the old threads. The Patriots uh, fully embracing their throwback mascot, donning red jerseys. But it seemed like to me they wore red jerseys in a few games over the years. Besides on occasion, those, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, along with the uh, white jerseys they had, but in, never in the, the helmet. Red. That right, never came True. back. And uh, Ole Miss has that. Uh, Ole Miss has got a white, a red, and a, a blue jersey. So uh, they've had that for years. The Falcons, uh, their jersey revealed was met with skepticism last year. <laughs> and uh, I think they're going back to uh, the, you know, they wore the red helmets a lot uh, during their early days. Mm-hmm. In lieu of the uh, dark black, I think they wore for uh, for many years uh, in that regard. So, uh Anyway, it's cool that the homage to they, you know, to Georgia Tech, in addition to the obviously the Georgia Bulldogs and uh, Falcon fans, <laughs> well, they could care less is more. So Carolina's going back uh, to an all-black trend, and uh, the Panthers are perfect team for it. Anyway, they're going with that matte base, it's standing out and accents, teal accents. So uh, got uh, maybe our phone call finally has come on through. Let's give it a shot, huh? You're in the air. Hello. Ooh. I don't know. We got a wrong number or not? Anyway, uh, anyway. So the Panthers, the Bengals are going with a. Uh, they're 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 sick of their blackouts. So the Bengals uh, following uh, the footsteps of their cat brethren at Penn State and going with a full whiteout. They're going to white their helmets with those black stripes. I believe. I'd love to see the jerseys matching. Yes. You know, instead of no orange on the jersey, just the the black stripes on the white jersey. Uh, whether it's uh, home or away, uh, you can wear either now. It's uh, the home team's choice. But uh, that's I'd like to see them match those helmets with the jerseys. Yeah, that'd be uh, pretty uh, neat looking. Uh, do we want to give our caller a fourth try? We'll give it one more time. Hi, you're in the air. Hey, I don't know. The call just dropped in the middle of it, so I'm not sure what happened. But, All right. Um, no, Jeff, do you think those orange helmets with the stink on the side and the orange jerseys, are they trying to channel their inner Denver Broncos orange <laughs> I, I don't know, but I, all I know is they, they look awful. I don't know if they ever win in them. And, you know, I, I just think the dark navy blue is more intimidating. And I, I'm just not, just like uh, you're not intimidated by Tampa in their creamsicle jerseys, um, it's just not uh, as, as I just think uh, the Bears wearing navy at home is, is important. Yeah, I understand. Tradition goes a long way to me. I really don't like the Saints all-black uniform that no. they wear, but they have a lot of success in them, and so now they're kind of superstitious about it, so they wear them on a lot of the primetime games, you know. So, um, But I, I, I cannot stand, uh, of the few helmet designs that were rolled out, they showed eight of them, and, and they had an online Twitter poll to vote for the best, and the to me, you know, and it, it pains me to say that as a Saints fan, but that we, we had the worst one by far. That those little mini fleur de lis they put on the top part of the helmet, they 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 you can't even tell they're fleur de lis until you look at them really close. They look like the little dots that are embedded into your antenna on your <laughs> on, in, 
windshield of the car. That's what they look like. Pitted. Yeah. Pitted. So Those... it lets them help. It lets it. Now the, the the quarterback should get great reception on the getting the play calls from the sideline. <laughs> yeah, you know the Florida Lees originally were pretty big size uh, on the Saints side of the Saints helmets. They cut them back down a few years ago. Not sure. Seemed like with the Drew Brees Quite era, some time they, ago. yeah, they cut them back down. But they were pretty good size back in the day when Manning and that crowd played in the late. Uh, uh, early 70s, late uh, 70s, and early 80s. They had that big floor to lay on the side of their gold helmets. Uh, my particular favorite Saints uniform were the uh, dark jerseys, gold helmets, and white pants with the gold stripes with the black outlines uh, along with the gold stripes. Those were my favorite uh, Saints uh, outfits back in the day. Don't know how often they wear yeah. those. I think sim- simplistic is, is best when it comes to uniforms. Yeah, I don't want the NFL to start looking like, like – uh, uh, Nike headquarters, you know, and uh, see some of these uh, combinations rolling out. Uh, oh my goodness! Like I like um, said anyway. before, it's all about merchandising. Yeah, they're going to change merchandising. They're going to change it every so often just to get the new jerseys well, out. So you got to pe- people have got to buy them to update them. Well, the Saints, the Saints posted on their Twitter account yesterday that the, the new helmet and said now available for purchase. So I clicked on the link just out of curiosity. So the ba- the the very basic one is was one seventy nine. Then you got up to the game authentic ones, and they had two versions. One was the flex, which the the uh, opening by the mouth and all, you know that the face guard area was just more sleek and whatnot. That helmet was seven hundred and thirty nine dollars. Wow. Now does it? Does the player come with it? You know, I mean, <laughs> at least dinner with yeah, the player. You know, right. wow, seven hundred dollars, unbelievable. I mean, maybe if it was signed by somebody, you know, authentic game war. I don't know, but not for just you know, it's a, either people have way too much disposable income, or you know, again, it's it's just the NFL is great at marketing itself. That's for sure. They are that they are. All right, are. guys. Well, All righty, thanks, Box. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yeah, the Texans even going to a uh, red jerseys toe uh, instead of that uh, matte color. Uh, we'll see how that is going to look out. The Washington Commanders, uh, one thing for sure, they can't have those Redskins uh, uh, markings back on the helmets back in the day. I think they're just going to go with uh, a big W on the side as they wore, I think, at one year uh, back, oh, I guess two or three years ago. Years. Yeah, they wore that W on the side of their helmets. But they're going Number on one side, maybe, and yeah. W on the other. Yeah, the Steelers, I think, uh, and the Browns are the only teams in the NFL. Steelers only have that one logo on one side of their helmet. And the Browns uh, are the only team that, that doesn't have anything on the side of their helmets. Uh, years ago, they used to wear the numerals, but uh, not anymore. And uh, I think they and the Steelers are the only ones that uh, are not uh, fully, uh, I guess, logoed on both sides of their helmets. Uh, just strange. Of course, the Saints, we're all aware they're going to be wearing their black helmet this year with a smaller logo. Uh, they wore them once or twice during preseason back in the late 60s. And um, I, I didn't like to particularly care for the look, but uh, we'll see. Uh, I'm sure, like Buck Joyce said, <laughs> they got people buy it just to say, I got one. Uh, I j- think people are more likely to buy the jersey changes than uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, you know, you can wear the jersey to the game. Uh, you can wear your jersey out and about. You're not going to walk around with a helmet Yeah, on, the whistle you know? monster. I can't see him taking off the whistle to wear a black helmet huh, in the game. Anyway, the Jets, uh, they're going back to the Kelly. I think they're, uh, or the uh, Eagles are going back to the Kelly Green uh, 
colors uh, they wore for a few years. Uh, you know, I've got an old jersey back in the day that Norm Van Brocklin wore, number 11, with the Eagles when they won the world championship in his last year when they beat the Packers. Matter of fact, the only playoff game Vince Lombardi ever lost in his life. Jets uh, shifting looks again when it comes to logos and uniforms. Uh, fans clamoring for the retro look this upcoming season. They opted to introduce the matte black helmet. The Jets will have with a green face mask, so uh, they'll be worn three times this year. And Arizona Cardinals, another team who defaulted to their black alternate helmets with a little more detail. The helmets include a red speckling throughout with the gradient uh, chrome logo to make the whole uh, thing pop just a bit more. So uh, teams going with alternate helmets. We talked about the Bears with their orange helmet and you know, I didn't realize the, how heavily the Bears, uh, you know, they had sprinkling of orange in their jerseys back in the day, and uh, but never in the helmets or anything of that nature. Never wore orange pants or anything. Had a little touch of no. stripes in all, I believe, in their pants. I miss the white pants, um, and they do wear the white pants uh, at home for the most part. Uh, but I don't like uh, the navy pants with the white jerseys. Yeah, just a little uh, different. Yeah, I think most teams got away from the white pants because of the grass stains and just hard to get out. And now with a lot of uh, turf, I guess, fields in that regard, uh, you see a lot more teams wearing white. But I'm uh, pretty sure that's why they went away from the white pants all these years. And getting back to the black pants of the Saints, uh, I'll never forget the first time I saw them, it's like, those are the pants you wear when your normal pants are still in the wash. You're waiting for them to dry, so I'm going to slip on this uh, in the meantime. They look like tights. Yeah. Because there was originally no logo. I think they did put a logo now on the, the they did. hip. Yeah, they did. But, but originally they were straight black, and, and they looked like tights. Uh, yeah, they did. Don't, yeah. don't care for them at all. Anyway, we and, need... And, and the gold pants are such a <laughs> classic look, you know? Yeah, you're right. And uh, just uh, like Notre Dame, they had that extra... I don't know what it was, but that uh, texture on the front of their pants uh, kind of uh, screamed off uh, over the years, along with their gold helmets. Anyway, uh, we probably need to go ahead and take our first break this morning. Uh, you listen to Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. We'll be back with more right after this. Nowadays, none of us can be without adequate insurance coverage, but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money. That's why so many people call the Schwing Insurance Agency to get a quote. The Schwing family has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years. You can depend on Schwing Insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price. So before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one, call the Schwing Insurance Agency for a quote at 365-2357. Schwing Insurance, 300 East Main across from the shadows. Is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one? Hi, this is Jake Blanchard with L.A. Classic Roofing. We're a third-generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years. As a locally owned and operated company, we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind. We offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at L.A. Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. L.A. Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s. Hey guys, if you're looking for the top golf experience in Iberia Parish, you need to look no further than Kane Row Golf and Turf Club. Low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens, the recently refurbished sand traps, and incredibly plush fairways. And by the way, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy Cane Row. The brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers, pizza, wings, and many other choices along with absolutely the best, most potent margaritas that you've ever tried. So whether it's golf, food, or just some fun, come to Cane Row and enjoy. 
With more than 50 years of pain diagnosis and pain relief experience, Headache and Pain Center offers the latest in interventional pain relief techniques at two locations in Gray and here in New Iberia. Compassionate board certified physicians and the caring staff offer minimally invasive ultrasound and fluoroscopy guided procedures that diminish or eliminate pain without open surgery, opioids, or major downtime. When you're in pain, you know who to call. Headache and Pain Center, 337-560-0880 or go to answertopain.com where opportunities are created not waited on that's the danos difference i've been here for 23 years the opportunity for advancement within danos was pretty evident early on in my career they give you a lot of tools and training in order to learn the oil field industry it's been an excellent ride for me join the team that does it different at danos.com that's d-a-n-o-s.com now back to Bayou Sports. Phone lines are open to talk sports at 367-1240. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on this uh, Tuesday morning, July the 26th. Uh, still a little talk. Uh, you know, uh, Maravich, uh, Pete Maravich, Pistol Pete, they unveiled his uh, statue yesterday evening over at the PMAC. And uh, the statue uh, doesn't have him uh, in a shooting mode. It has him in a passing mode with the ball behind his back. Interesting. In, in that bronze statue and uh, quite iconic that uh, the all-time leading scorer in the NCAA uh, has a uh, bronze statue of him uh, with the ball passing it or maybe even dribbling, dribbling it behind his back. But, I don't but know we have talked could, about how prolific he was in he that was. regard. Kind of, I, don't, I don't know if he changed the game. Uh, but he probably um, you know, was the most Harlemist, <laughs> globetrotterist uh, kid playing college basketball in the late 60s. I can remember when he first came about, uh, I remember Sports Illustrated had an article, and they were in- interviewing different people, talking about the Maravich phenomenon with his passing and ball handling drills and all, not necessarily his shooting skills. But uh, they had interviewed, I think, the coach. I can't remember who the basketball coach was at uh, – Southern University at the time, and they were talking to uh, the coach about Maravich and all, and his mention was, he's one of us. <laughs> As you mentioned, with uh, the Harlem Globetrotters, I think, offered him a nice salary, a pretty interesting income, and he declined the offer to play with the uh, Hawks out of Atlanta when he was drafted. But uh, Maravich's ball handling skills, I think, uh, even though he led the uh, NCAA in scoring, I think, all three years of his college career, uh, I, I mean, when you shoot the ball 40 to 50 times a game, you're going to tend to make a, a few shots. Uh, nothing against Maravich. It had a lot better pure shooters in the game than uh, he, but uh, his ball handling passing skills were second to none. I mean, uh, as I mentioned yesterday, I'm surprised there weren't more uh, Tiger uh, uh, players with black eyes and broken fingers uh, with his passing skills, spotting the open man, just uh, a no-look passes and behind-the-back passes, through-the-legs passes. And that's what tore his knee up. Uh, he was playing for the uh, Pelicans, I want to say, for the Jazz back in the day and tried to between-the-legs uh, pass, and he came down awkwardly and tore his ACL. Yeah. And that pretty much uh, finished his career uh, uh, with uh, the, the uh, Jazz back then. And, of course, he finished up, finished up his career with the uh, Celtics. I think he played his last year uh, averaging maybe six to eight points a game. Uh, with the Celtics, I'm not even sure if the Celtics won the the title that year. He might have played with them at eighty, eighty one, somewhere in there. But uh, Pistol Pete, uh, a statue unveiled outside the uh, PMAC, so uh, well deserved too. 
No, no doubt about it. Anyway, I don't know if you have a few more little headlines here for us uh, in uh, regards to Bayou Sports. Well, I've got a couple of uh, NFL notes uh, that I think are kind of interesting, including, well, it's not an NFL note, but uh, Alabama head coach Nick Saban reportedly uh, interested in joining ESPN back in 2014. Can you imagine how uh, the game would have changed uh, the landscape, maybe, of college football, how it would have changed? But according to uh, the Bleacher Report, Alabama head coach Nick Saban could have deprived himself of three of his national championships. A new book says that the most successful coach in college football history was in talks to cut his career short and join ESPN again back in 2014. According to uh, the name of the book, The Leadership Secrets of Nick Saban, by AL.com senior sports editor John Talty. The now 70-year-old took part in meetings after the season in pursuit of a broadcasting role. According to Ryan Glassbeagle of the New York Post, Saban had zeroed in on the possibility of joining ESPN's college game day. Even quizzed their ESPN senior executive, John Wildhack, about the experience of working uh, the worldwide leader and the company's structure at Reportedly, was important to Saban to gauge whether it would be similar to working on a team. And uh, Wildhack said in his, his book, not because we didn't have a good conversation and not because he wasn't intrigued by television, because he was intrigued and he was interested. If he wasn't interested, he never would have done it in the first place, but also didn't think he was ready to step aside as being a coach. Glass Beagle pointed out that ESPN analyst Kirk Herbstreet's comments about the coach in 2014 uh, perhaps indicated he was aware of Saban's interest in broadcasting. Herbstreet was asked about the possibility of Saban jumping to the NFL and replied, again, this is in 2014, Nick Saban will be on the set with us before he's a coach in the NFL. really believe that after he's done at Alabama, whenever that time is, whether it's this year, five years, whatever it is, really believe there's an itch there about becoming an analyst. Saban, uh, of course, uh, made the right decision, at, at least as far as uh, national championships are concerned, with uh, another national championship the next year, 17 and 20. Yeah, that uh, that's amazing that, uh, that even think that. Uh, of course, don't think that Saban has any monetary issues. I mean, he's been paid so much money oh, through yeah. Alabama and all. And uh, shame on him if he had put some away or much of it away. But uh, I, just, I just can't see him not being on the field. It's almost like Bear Bryant. It seemed like, And Bear Bryant died. at a, He was younger than Saban. I think Saban's 71 or going to be 72 maybe this year. And uh, Bear Bryant uh, – was right at seventy when he passed away. Of course he looked eighty. He, he, that he did, you know, him. that he did. And <laughs> talking to a couple Alabama players, they played for him. When he got down off that tower, <laughs> he was all business too. And uh, at six foot four, he people don't realize how tall of a man he was too. Uh, Saban being uh, uh, the quite opposite, uh, a lot shorter man at five seven or eight, but uh, Bear Bryant at six four, and I mean, was a, he had a, even a gravelly voice that would go with his uh, demeanor. But uh, Saban in uh, in the booth, uh, I just I think Saban's going to coach till he's eighty. I really believe. that. I mean, I, I think he'd be a great analyst. Don't get me wrong. Yes, but, but again, if if you still have that fire uh, to do it on the sidelines, uh, keep doing it. Yeah, and that he does, and uh, I don't see him going anywhere in the near future unless uh, the good Lord decides to take him. But uh, I see Saban just uh, playing out uh, his time at uh, Alabama 
And as long as he can – and look at the rotation of assistants he's had. He's still winning. Uh, so not only does he have an eye for good assistance and, uh, and also recruits want to play for him, it's going to come to that margin, though, where his, his later years, which he is in now, that, you know, do the kids say, well, how long is he's going to be around here? Will he be here when I'm a senior? And that's going to come into play, too, I think, in recruiting. And it might be starting to shine a little bit now in that regard. So uh, we'll see what happens. No doubt. Elsewhere, you know, Kyler Murray, uh, you know, he had seemingly been estranged from the Arizona Cardinals. And maybe uh, this is part of the problem uh, because apparently the Cardinals uh, recently signed that contract extension. It includes an addendum that requires him to study film for four hours a week during the season to stay in compliance with the new deal. So is that a suggestion, obviously, that he hadn't been doing his homework? Yeah, that yeah, that kind of is pointed out there, too, in that regard. So uh, if they're going to require him. But, you know, most good quarterbacks, they got to look at film most of the time and read, learn how to read defenses and uh, what uh, particular uh, qualities uh, opposition has and how they do things in certain down and distance with time. Uh, will, will there be a test other than on Sunday <laughs> afternoon? This is <laughs> true. This is true. You know, A, B, C, D, or none of the above. Uh, uh, so you're right. Uh, so maybe they're they're challenging his cerebral uh, thoughts there. And I don't know. Not there. We don't get reports on the Cardinals as we do the Saints. So uh, interesting, though, uh, that he's got to look at four hours a week, not a day, a week, correct? Yeah. Right. The, the addendum also states that Murray will not get credit if he's not studying or watching the material while it plays on his tablet or if he's doing something that can distract him or draws attention elsewhere while the material is playing, such as playing video games, watching TV, or uh, otherwise. Let's uh, go to the phones. Uh, thanks for waiting. You're in the air. Yeah, you know y'all talking about Jesus Christ, that when you come to Nick Saban being uh, announced. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mr. B, how you doing? All right, yeah. Good, good. Can't complain, man. Can't complain. Of course, uh, our condolences uh, in sure. the loss of your mom. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Um, no, I just had to throw that in there to get a laugh this morning. There you when go. I heard y'all talk about Nick Saban. Oh, yeah. He's he's the man right now until somebody knocks him off the pedestal. And I'm sure that's going to take place. But right now, he's he's re- guns are going for him. So uh, we'll see what takes place with him in the next uh, couple of years, too. I think he's born in 51, so he'll be 71 this year. I think he... I think he's at a Halloween birthday boy. I think his birthday's uh, October 31st, if my memory serves me correctly. You know a little more about him than I do, Tony, but, yeah, I just wanted to give you all a call just to get a laugh, and um, thank you all for everything. Uh, appreciate thank it, man. you. I appreciate your sponsorship, too, of uh, Bayou Sports, uh, Ty. appreciate it very much. Uh, all right, all take right. care. We'll thank see you me. soon. All right. Thank you. Anyway, we need probably to go to our next break, too. And uh, I got a little story I want to talk about that uh, it's been getting a little publicity on ESPN and ESPN2, but uh, I'll leave you with a teaser. You're listening to Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. We'll be back with more right after this. At Arsenal Ford, we're making it even easier with our Ford mobile service van. For your convenience, we have a mobile service solution for you. You provide the vehicle, and I'll handle the rest. Ford Mobile Service. We make it easy at Arsenal Ford. 
The Quarter Tavern is the premier spot for live music. Be there this Thursday for Southern Jack Productions. Remember, never a cover at the Quarter Tavern. 19 TVs has you covered for sports. No bar with more outdoor seating. Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main across from McDonald's. The best drink prices in DeBerry. Domestic beer now just $2. Imports $3 all day, every day, other than during bands and special benefits. And don't forget, Quarter Tavern now serving fresh fruit, margaritas, and daiquiris. Hey guys, if you're looking for the top golf experience in Iberia Parish, you need to look no further than Cane Row Golf and Turf Club. Low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens, the recently refurbished sand traps, and incredibly plush fairways. And by the way, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy Cane Row. The brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers, pizza, wings, and many other choices along with absolutely the best, most potent margaritas that you've ever tried. So whether it's golf, food, or just some fun, come to Cane Row and enjoy. Nowadays, none of us can be without adequate insurance coverage, but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money. That's why so many people call the Schwing Insurance Agency to get a quote. The Schwing family has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years. You can depend on Schwing Insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price. So before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one, call the Schwing Insurance Agency for a quote at 365-2357. Schwing Insurance, 300 East Main, across from the shadows. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Louisiana. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the LHSAA and the Louisiana High School Athletic Directors Association. Now back to Bayou Sports on the all-new Kane 107.5. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio, FM 107.5 AM 1240. And uh, I was throwing out a little teaser. Uh, they've got a basketball championship going on right now uh, up in the Dallas area. And it's, uh, it's man, it's for basketball junkies if uh, people uh, know. And if you live in the Dallas area. Uh, You're not thinking of the big three. No, that you mean the big three basketball yeah. tournament that they throw together? Yeah. No, this is a a, a winner take all million dollars, mm. and it's uh, the most of the proceeds. Uh, even the fellas that win the games, a lot of ex NBA and college stars, and it's uh, and it's basically. Um, I wish I had more info. I thought I'd printed it yesterday, but I must have not had to. And it's uh, it goes on to talk about uh, these basketball tournaments. And uh, it's <laughs> they've got some great games. You're allowed, I think, 12 players on a team, and uh, they're playing uh, pickup games. Right now, ESPN is broadcasting a lot of this live. I think last night it was on uh, – might have been on two last night and possibly some of it on one. But it's uh, – basically, it's a winner-take-all uh, games. And you can have – I think they have some rules, some different changing of the rules. But one of the big rules, and I don't know how they come to this – they play like a last-second shot. No matter what the score is, they tend to do that, and uh, they give it a last-second shot so uh, they don't have any ties or you know it's prolonged where they play for four hours in overtime or something. And uh, I was looking for that story earlier, and I couldn't find it, but uh, hopefully maybe I'll have a little bit more on it tomorrow, not unless you can spot something uh Maybe on our ready board there. Uh, but yeah, I, I searched Dallas basketball tournaments, and all I'm coming up is with youth things. No, it's it's these are mostly NFL, uh, NFL, NBA uh, veterans 
who have played in these games. Uh, I saw it on uh, Kenny uh, Kendall Baker Sports, uh, Axio Sports, everything. And uh, I know the games have been broadcast over on on ESPN and ESPN2. Uh, and I, I even think on some of the spot of Fox Sports Networks, uh, they're going off on. And I saw a little uh, headway on it. I mean, it's open to the world uh, I think you, I think it's a thousand dollar entry fee uh, to play, and uh, it's it's just unique in that regard. Hopefully, I can find that article maybe uh, tomorrow and talk about it. Uh, I don't know when the finals are going to be played or if they may be playing the finals now. Uh, I looked at it for a little bit last night. It was pretty interesting, and uh, you know, so um, just a strange way to compete. For a million dollars, it's a winner-take-all, and some of the winners have donated the money back to charity. Some have divided up amongst the teammates. Uh, anyway, it's uh, the basketball tournament. Uh, they had some games. They got games tonight uh, from 6 to 9 on ESPN2 and ESPN3. They're playing for spots in, oh, okay, the Sweet 16. That's what they're down to now, uh, 16 teams left. And they set it up with a 64-team format. So it's pretty interesting, and hopefully tomorrow I can find a little more uh, about it and all, Jeff. So uh, pretty interesting, though, in the meantime. Any other headline news there? Oh, Joe Burrow uh, back in the news uh, to some degree. Uh, Mike Brown, owner of the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, did not hide his affection for Joe Burrow. uh, With the then-second-year quarterback under center, longtime owner watched his franchise make an improbable Super Bowl run. Uh, Brown said of Burrow yesterday, everyone likes him here. Sometimes it's it's so good you want to pinch yourself. Brown called a future contract extension for Burrow our most important issue. He's uh, coming in on his third year of his rookie deal. Won comeback player of the year last season, of course. Enjoyed a lot of success getting back uh, with Jamar Chase, his former college teammate. And Brown also alluded to the Bengals securing a new contract for uh, Brown or uh, for Chase as, as well. Uh, so, again, uh, their their top priority right now is keeping Joe Burrow, and not not a surprise there. And Joe Burrow, I, I think, as long as he sees a little protection for himself, would be more than happy to stay in Cincinnati. Yeah, well, you know, they picked up a, 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 an offensive lineman or two, so uh, their, their offensive line should be much better this year. To, at protecting Joe, and uh, if Joe has time to throw, you know as well as I do, he'll find open receivers or find spots for open receivers. And uh, just a heady quarterback, of course, in his second year in the league, uh, leads uh, his team to the Super Bowl. A lot to be said about that young man. But, boy, when you look at the AFC West with the prolific uh, quarterbacks over there, from Wilson to Herbert uh, to Holmes uh, and uh, least but little, uh, Carr. So uh, that's, a, that's a division they're talking up a lot this year and uh, before camps get underway. Yeah, yeah I, I think of Joe Burrow uh, getting to a Super Bowl, not winning it, but getting to it in his second year. I hope he has more success than Dan Marino getting back to the Super Bowl. Another great quarterback in his second season, got Miami to the Super Bowl, lost to a very good San Francisco team. But uh, I I just hope Joe has a better fate. Yeah, you're right about that. And I think he will. He's got a lot of weapons around him uh, to help him in that regard. So if they can improve their defense, which uh, uh, at times uh, had some holes in it, 
if they can address that now, uh, I think he's got some offense. But you know as well as I do, as soon as teams start winning, uh, there are certain athletes on those squads that look for more money elsewhere, and that's yeah. that's the way the game's played today, whether it be uh, football, baseball, basketball. Uh, it's uh, the, You're looking at the open market, and people are looking to make more money, and you can't blame them because uh, uh, they, they only have a small window there of anywhere from five to ten years, maybe even 12, to uh, earn money. So, uh, But a lot of money yeah. in, uh, in that regard. I, I think it's time for uh, another quarterback to pack his bags uh, because San Francisco uh, head coach Kyle Shanahan said, and I quote, I think our team's ready for Trey Lance to be the starting quarterback. Yeah, Jimmy uh, Garoppolo is probably looking. I'm I'm even hearing Seattle uh, is, uh, is thinking about uh, bringing him in. Of course, Seattle loses Wilson, and I'm not sure they're two backup quarterbacks. Uh, uh, one of them, a long-term veteran, has really never started. Played against the Saints a little bit last year when the Saints defeated Seattle, but uh, his name escapes me right now. Along with the uh, a quarterback there, I think they acquired or picked up through the draft. Uh, uh, but uh, Seattle's got a long way to go. Garoppolo, would he? Would they allow him to go to a in division to opponent uh, that seems to be uh wondering so it depends what you get for him i i don't think you worry as much about him being a threat it's more what you can get in exchange yeah you know there, there are some players obviously you don't want to see uh in your division uh from your own team but i'm not sure garoppolo's that guy unless unless you're not getting enough for him you, you wouldn't want to send him to seattle and not get enough right but i i will say this though too uh somewhat in the 49ers defense because it'd be easy to rag on the 49ers about kicking garoppolo to the curb uh, he is coming off that shoulder injury yeah and you know you never know i mean drew Brees was a question mark miami you know kind of what's he gonna do coming out of this injury and obviously it turned out well for the saints but but those uh, questions are always going to be there until he can perform. Uh, I agree. And uh, Garoppolo, you know, he's done well wherever he's gone. He did well when he was with the Patriots. Of course, he had one of the better coaches in the league at the time, and uh, he's and, done and well a with San good Francisco. Mentor too. That's right. Uh, you know, so uh, he's he's uh, he's done very well. He's had you know he's won wherever he's gone. Uh, he brought the Forty ers to a Super Bowl. I'm pretty sure. And uh, they were defeated, but uh, he's done well. So, uh, anyway, interesting in that regard. So, one little – throw out a little trivia question here and see if uh, – I thought it was a baseball question. Uh, one uh, one of the answers is obvious, but the other one's kind of tough. Uh, who are the only pit- two pitchers to win multiple World Series, win multiple Cy Young Awards, and throw multiple no-hitters? Uh, in Major League Baseball. Anyway, a uh, little teaser there. One, one more time. Okay, uh, but that's a lot of uh, who yeah. are the only two pitchers. There are two pitchers that there have done this them, okay. to win multiple World Series. In other words, they've won the World Series uh, more than once. Uh, and multiple uh, Cy Young, so they've won that award uh, as the best pitcher in, in the league. And throw multiple no-hitters uh, in Major League Baseball. So, uh, and there are two answers uh, to that question. One's really obvious, and uh, I'll give a, a little hint there. One of them uh, pitched many years ago, and the other one uh, uh, just a few years ago. So uh, with that, and 
Anyway, let's go ahead and let people think about that, and I'll come back and give your answers. Uh, you're listening to Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio, FM 1075 and AM 1240. We'll be back with Today in Sports History, July 26, right after this. With more than 50 years of pain diagnosis and pain relief experience, Headache and Pain Center offers the latest in interventional pain relief techniques at two locations in Gray and here in New Iberia. Compassionate board-certified physicians and the caring staff offer minimally invasive ultrasound and fluoride guided procedures that diminish or eliminate pain without open surgery, opioids, or major downtime. When you're in pain, you know who to call. Headache and Pain Center, 337-560-0880, or go to answertopain.com. Is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one? Hi, this is Jake Blanchard with L.A. Classic Roofing. We're a third-generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years. As a locally owned and operated company, we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind. We offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at L.A. Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. L.A. Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s. At Orsino Ford, we're making it even easier with our Ford Mobile Service Van. For your convenience, we have a mobile service solution for you. You provide the vehicle, and I'll handle the rest. Ford Mobile Service. We make it easy at Orsino Ford. The Quarter Tavern is the premier spot for live music. Be there this Thursday for Southern Jack Productions. Remember, never a cover at the Quarter Tavern. 19 TVs has you covered for sports. No bar with more outdoor seating. Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main across from McDonald's. The best drink prices in DeBerry. Domestic beer now just $2. Imports $3 all day, every day, other than during bands and special benefits. And don't forget, Quarter Tavern now serving fresh fruit, margaritas, and daiquiris. Hi, this is Boxcar Badgerow, inviting you to join me and PGA Golf professional Teddy Slyman for Chip Shots. Mondays from 5 to 6 p.m., we'll take an in-depth look at the local, state, and national golf scenes. And we invite you to chip in with your calls at 367-1240. Chip Shots is sponsored by the Coca-Cola Bottling Company, GolfBalls.com, and our local golf clubs, Eagle Ridge, Kangaroo, and Sugar Oaks. So let's make it tea time for 5 p.m. on Mondays for Chip Shots on Kane. Dream us live on Kane1240.com and catch the podcast the next day. Now back to Bayou Sports. Phone lines are open to talk sports at 367-1240. Welcome back to Bayou Sports. And today in sports history, a little trivia question there. It's kind of easy, too, with regards to one player. Sandy Koufax is obvious. Uh, He threw uh, four no-hitters, a perfect game included, uh, along with a two uh, Cy Young Awards, possibly three. I'm trying to recall the third one. And, of course, he won, I think, three, possibly. I didn't know if he played for Brooklyn back in 55, but in 59 they won the World Series at Dodgers in 63, and again in 65, of course, they lost in 66 to the Orioles. Uh, they got shut out four to nothing. But Sandy Koufax, the other young man in that regard, who won three World Series, two Cy Youngs, and two no-hitters, Tim Lincecum, of all people. I'd have never guessed that. I'd have been scratching my skull for many years. Of course, Tim Lincecum, who played at Washington uh, with the Huskies and then on with the San Francisco Giants when they won the series in 10, 12, and 14. So he yeah, also threw a couple no-hitters. Lincecum was about 5'11", about maybe 160 pounds soaking wet. Anyway, those were the two answers to the sports trivia question. Sandy, he, Sandy Koufax, to my credit, I got that one wrong. Yeah, almost that, right away. That's but right. Linscom made sense once you said it because the Giants had that success 2010, 12, and 14, winning the World Series. Uh, but yeah, I, I, the no hitters. Yeah, yeah that, that's what, uh, but still, Linscom, who would have thought? 
that was uh, the winner. By, Any- by the way, uh, Sandy Koufax uh, played in 12 games in 55. Okay. And then retired after the 66 season. Uh, interesting, <laughs> I just stumbled upon this, but he played 12 games, he had 12 at-bats, and he had 12 strikeouts. Really? Yes. Wow. Baseball symmetry. Catch it. <laughs> Pretty much uh, there. I knew he was with Brooklyn. I wasn't sure if he was on that 55 team or not, but I didn't I didn't know when the – and he – it was the old catcher, Jeff Torborg, that told Koufax. Torborg, yeah. He was throwing too hard. Let, let's slow down your speed a little bit and see if we can throw more strikes. And he did that, and, and quite evidently over the slowing down his speed, he picked up his speed because he was overthrowing. And uh, Koufax, of course, enough said uh, he had a five, six-year run where he was the best pitcher in baseball. And uh, in some regard, might have been the best pitcher ever in baseball due to an arthritic left elbow, decided to step away from the game at the ripe old age of 30. Yeah, and a uh, man of conviction, too. Uh, wouldn't pitch on, on uh, Yom, one of the Kip- Jewish Yom Kippur, holidays. That's yeah. right. It would not pitch on Yom Kippur, Sandy Koufax. Uh, so he pitched one night as a teenager in the Astrodome. And brother, his curveball, 12 to 6, who <laughs> he's just baffling batters, especially left-handed hitters, uh, and had a high lag kick like Juan Marshall. Anyway, uh, today in sports history, in 1928, only his second and final defense of his world heavyweight boxing title, Gene Tunney scores an 11-round TKO over Tim Heaney over at Yankee Stadium. Of course, uh, a lot of people don't realize this. Gene Tunney, a retired, undefeated uh, heavyweight uh, uh, champ, uh, he beat uh, Jack Dempsey twice, too. Of course, won in that long, famous long count uh, knockdown, which uh, Tunney went on to win the fight against Dempsey. 1933, a youngster, a teenager, Joe DiMaggio, ends a 61-game hitting streak in the Pacific Coast League. Of course, he went on to set the major league mark of uh, 56 games uh, back in uh, 1941. In 1948, uh, the Babe Ruth story premieres. That was uh, the motion picture, I think, with William Bendix playing Babe Ruth. I mean, come on. Anyway, it was Babe Ruth. There are a lot of bad portrayals of <laughs> oh, Babe gosh. Ruth. Yeah, John Goodman was another one, too. Anyway, uh, Ruth. it was Ruth's last public appearance. Uh, of course, furthermore, Ruth passed away three weeks later on August the 16th. 1948, Leo DeRosha returns to Ebbets Field, but not as the Dodgers manager. He's in the air with the Giants' crosstown rifle, and uh, the uh, rivalry ensued. 1957, Mickey Mantle hit his 200th career homer. Of course, in 1956, just the year before, Mantle won the Triple Crown with uh, uh, highest average, highest in home runs, highest in RBIs in Major League Baseball. Meanwhile, uh, 1962, the Braves' Warren Spahn hits a home run number 31, a pitcher. He ended up with 35 uh, in his career. That was tied for second. Wes Farrell with 37. Bob Lemon also hit 35. And uh, they had a few more homers than that, but Farrell and Lemon also hit him as a couple home runs as pinch hitters, not as pitchers Mm. in the lineup. Elsewhere, 1970, Johnny Bench playing uh, that day in the outfield goes four for five, seven RBIs, three consecutive homers off of St. Louis uh, pitcher and Hall of Famer Steve Carlton in a 12 to five win in that Riverfront Stadium. In 1984, Bowie Kuhn announces a pitcher of Vida True Blue, is what, uh, is what Charlie Finley called him, is suspended for the rest of the 84 season due to cocaine conviction. Of course, Vida Blue from uh, Mansfield, Louisiana. I don't know if he still makes his home there. Vida Blue's still with us, too. Uh, just a heck of a baseball pitcher. I think he won the, one of those to win the MVP and Cy Young Award in the same year, I think back in 71. Elsewhere, um, 
Bert, uh, Nolan Ryan strikes out his 100th batter for the 23rd consecutive year in Major League Baseball. Just uh, another un- one of those unbreakable uh, feats as Nolan Ryan, 92, strikes out his 23rd consecutive 100 uh, strikeout season. Elsewhere, birthdays today, 1920, Bob Waterfield. Hey, you wonder, uh, an NFL quarterback with the Rams, born in Elmira, New York, Home of Ernie Davis, too. Ernie Davis was a uh, Heisman Trophy winner in 61, was from Elmira. He married also, Bob Waterfield was married to Jane Russell, the movie actress. His number seven is retired by the Rams. Elsewhere in 1922, Hoyt Wilhelm, AL uh, Major League Baseball player and knuckleballer, pitched for the Giants, the Dodgers, uh, born in Huntersville, North Carolina, pitched uh, for many teams, retired near, uh, he was 48, 49 years old through that knuckleball and had a lot of success with it. Elsewhere in 1954, Vitas Gerolitis, the Lithuanian-American tennis player and Australian Open champ, uh, Wimbledon's double champ, born in Brooklyn, New York. 1956, Dorothy Hamill, American figure skater, Olympic gold medalist in 76, born in Chicago. And, you know, she was married to Dean Morton's son, Dean Paul Morton uh, Jr. He was tragically killed. I think his plane went into a mountain. Something like that, yeah. He was with the uh, National Guard Air Force, I believe, for Nevada or California. Just tragic ending. Also, a local uh, young man uh, born in 1969, former LSU and NFL defensive tackle, Mark Boutte, born in Lake Charles on this date in uh, 1969. And I quoted a day from Charlie Dressen, or Dreesen, who was a manager for the Dodgers, for the Tigers, and I think he even managed for the Indians. Uh, he was also uh, with the Dodgers. He was part of the Boys of Summer uh, team. And he said that the coldest winter I ever felt was a summer in San Francisco. Which, that, was that his quote? I thought that was a literary quote. No, that's Charlie Dressen's quote. Uh, it uh, is uh, repeated in... The movie Forty Eight Hours. Nick Nolte, uh-huh. I think his girlfriend with Eddie Murphy uh, is exactly Eddie Murphy. But uh, Nick Nolte's girlfriend in that, uh, I think she's telling Nick to put on a scarf, uh, and then she quotes um, the coldest uh, winter ever spent was the summer I spent in San Francisco. And it, it's, I mean, the temperatures there. I don't think it gets above seventy five there it, in it, San Francisco. Yeah, you know, and and I've told my sister this. Uh, yeah, she lives out there. Doesn't on she? occasion, she has suggested I move out there. I'm like, no, it's never hot. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's never bitterly cold. That's but, right. I mean, they, they, it's amazing the tropical plants that grow um, because it never gets below forty. Uh, but it hardly ever gets above seventy seventy five until it's a problem. Yeah, and it's amazing. Is the fog still bad out there too uh, during the day for coming off the bay? It is uh, now where she lives. Uh, she misses it. It kind of floats over her. All right, but, uh, the mountain she lives on. But uh, you know they sell a lot of flannel products in okay. San Francisco. Yeah, the, the, I mean they're like Starbucks, uh, a place to buy flannel and <laughs> or t shirt shops on Canal Street. Uh, <laughs> But it's because people go there thinking it's going to be hot, yeah. and then uh, invariably it it will be uh, a cold uh, afternoon uh, once that wind starts to kick up. Yeah, you got to wear a, a, a smart jacket or maybe even a sweatshirt uh, in that regard. I guess the evenings get down to around 50 in most uh, instances. So never been there, but I've talked to a lot of people that have been out there. And uh, it, it's, it's how would you say it's it's not hot? It's not warm, but it's just chilly is yeah. the term, I guess. Even at and, 70 and, and it's degrees. It's amazing. You go across uh, the bay in Oakland, it's maybe 
10, 15 degrees warmer. Yeah, that's you know, right. Just, just uh, the way it works. Yeah, and the wind seems like always blows in San Francisco. Candlestick Park had wind issues forever, too, uh, in that regard. Anyway, that's it for today in sports history, July the 26th, Jeff. Anything to uh, wrap it up before we bring Lee Kay on in the Breakfast Club? No, I think that uh, doesn't. We look forward to uh, the Saints uh, putting on the pants. I don't know if they're putting on pants. Yeah, tomorrow, helmets and shorts, probably. Yeah, more, more so. Uh, but they do report today, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that tomorrow. All right. Anyway. The media uh, days uh, in the Sun Belt. Uh, today begins those media days. Uh, again, we mentioned Mike Desermo isn't speaking until tomorrow along with a couple of his players but uh, i'm sure there'll be something to glean from today's uh, sun belt i will say this uh, uh i guess they did a poll preseason poll they do like the cajuns to win uh, the west all right and the mountaineers uh, would that be app state no app state uh, app states uh are they the choice or that the uh last year it was coastal carolina that uh uh, that uh, won the other side, I do believe. Anyway, uh, so but the Cajuns, uh, of course, went uh, what twelve and one, thirteen and one last year, before Coach Napier took the job in Florida, and we'll keep an eye on what Florida does this year too. I think they're projected to finish fourth uh, in the SEC uh, East after uh, uh, Georgia, along with Kentucky's picked highly, along with Tennessee. Yeah, Appalachian State is the Mountaineers. Okay. Which should have made sense. Uh, sure. All things considered there. Yeah, over in the eastern so side those of Carolina. Those two, two have been predicted to win their divisions. That's uh, the biggest news so far okay. out of media days. Anyway, uh, I had to wrap it up, uh, Jeff, here on a big uh, Tuesday here, July to 26th, uh, with uh, Bayou Sports. Yeah, absolutely. As always, want to thank our sponsors, Ship Shots, brought to you in part by the Quarter Tavern. Also, L.A. Classic Roofing, Arsenal Ford, Canero Golf and Turf Club, Schwing Insurance, and the Headache and Pain Center. Appreciate their support. As mentioned, Lee Kay and the Breakfast Club, right after news, brought to us by David Funeral Homes. You're listening to KANE, 1240 AM and K298CQ, 107.5 FM, New Iberia.